0: wrestling fans, this is Indie Handshake, edición de Lucha Libre. I am Jesus Cruz, and I am here with a Supreme Pro Wrestling original, all the way from NorCal, leader of the Lucha Libre Mafia. He's also the host of his own podcast, Flacos Corner, on Facebook. El Flaco Loco, how you doing, brother?
1: Uh, it's great to be here. Great to see you too. Thank you so much for um for supporting so much. Yeah, uh, not I- just not just me, but all of wrestling and yeah. lucha libre.
0: Yeah, right on, brother. I mean, uh, we go back way back. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second. I'm gonna start off. So, Flaco Loco in his podcast, he likes to start off with a little tequila shot. And here, yeah. but here at Indie Handshake, we it's Modelo time all the time.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Salud, I'm not brother.
0: gonna.
1: I'm not gonna say what I got in the uh, flask here, but uh,
0: it's all good, man. So, um, I start these off a little bit about how how we met, and I I'm trying to think, but I think the first time I ever saw you, uh. A couple of guys from Sacramento came to work a big-time wrestling show in the mm-hmm. TV studio. There was a TV studio in Newark yeah. where I worked at, and that's how I met big-time wrestling and all those guys. But they would they bring in a lot of outside talent, and this time they brought Flaco Loco, they brought Chupacabras or Big mm-hmm. Buckley, and I believe yeah. Danny Tundra, and guys like that. Uh, yeah. So do you remember that? Do you remember that show? I do, I remember, I do
1: remember that show. It was a small TV studio. Yep. Um and pretty much, uh, yeah, I, they, um, I think, uh, ugly probably set that up, and uh, he brought me along, and they wanted to um, have the original Chupacabra character, not the Chupacabra that you see uh, today, Chupy, the Mexican yeah. werewolf, and not Chupi, but the original Chupacabra, and uh, I was his manager, and uh, you know that's when I came out uh, with the court jester outfit, yep. and uh, and you know I, uh, supposed to be a heel supposed to be the bad guy, but um I I I think the biggest problem I had with being the bad guy is I I would end up being too entertaining. <laughs> that would be that would be the thing that ugly would tell me. It's like, dude, it's you're you're getting over too much. You gotta make people hate you more.
2: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: uh, and he really he really taught me a lot about being a, a proper manager. And not because in the early days I was if I was getting a reaction, I'd just go crazy and do more and more and more and more and more. And and fans loved it. Mm-hmm. But it took away from what was going on inside the ring, and, and the big ugly really sat me down and said, "Listen, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're doing way too much out there." So, uh, but I do remember that show. Um, th- we'd worked a couple times with the guys from BTW, with like Jason Styles, and uh, I think oh, what was he? He was the uh, uh, the announcer for XPW, Ron Hedden. Yeah, Ron Head. He was also there. He and he and I got got a chance to work together a couple of times. I always got along great with Ron Head. I yeah. thought he was a he was a character, just such a such an over the top character. And uh, yeah. I really liked Ron Head. Um, but and I know people have opinions about wrestlers from different promotions. But the the a handful of times I got to work with DTW, um, they were always really cool to me. And yeah. Jason Styles was always a cool guy. You know. Yeah, he, you know, even another, though yeah, even though we were we were Supreme Pro Wrestling, they were BTW, and you know back then promotions didn't work together like they do.
0: No, and especially well BTW's main you know rival because the proximity was all pro wrestling, so there was yeah. more more of a not working over there, not having the guys over here. But as far as yeah. an SPW, so I was I had already been working maybe a year with Big Time doing their video production mm-hmm. and that stuff. So when I saw these outside people, especially guys in a mask yeah so I was like I was like, oh crap, you know so that's when i, I after seeing you guys there that's when I started going up north and mm-hmm. and filming some uh supreme pro uh wrestling matches yeah,
1: yeah. so that yeah and that was, and that was a that was the time when uh big ugly was was running the game there and mm-hmm. uh, he was he was he was the head booker head promoter and uh he was the main the man in charge he was doing all the training doing everything right out of the the old colonial theater yeah
0: yeah, exactly. So um, let's go back to the you know kind of the start. Like, how did how did you get hooked on 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 American wrestling, and how did you get hooked on Lucha Libre? Like, what were your what were your first of the uh, idols that you remember?
1: Well, I mean, to to fully tell the story, it's like to talk about the household I grew up in, and then you know, being older, this is before pay per view. So when I was a kid, my dad was a big boxing fan, you know. So um, every, it seemed like every Saturday and Sunday night there was boxing on TV. And, uh, uh, you know, we saw Muhammad Ali fights. We saw uh, uh, George Foreman fights, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Pepino Cuevas, uh, Pete Ranzani even, all these things. And so I grew up knowing that there's this square platform with ropes around it and these two guys go at it. I grew up seeing that. And I remember one Saturday morning seeing what I thought was a boxing match uh, but the guys are wearing, in my mind, in my little five-year-old mind, they're wearing black underwear. They don't have boxing gloves on. And they're kicking each other and rolling around and running around. And I'm just mesmerized by it. Uh, my dad comes in and sees me just glued in front of the TV. And, uh, and the best thing he ever told me, he didn't tell me, oh, this is fake. Well, that's not real. Um, he just said, oh, you, you know, they're really not fighting, though. And I looked at him like, what? And he's like, no, 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 but they're putting on a show for the people. And I kind of wonder where I'd be today if back then, if my dad said, oh, this is fake. Mm. But he said, they're putting on a show for the people. And I just went, oh, okay. And went back to being mesmerized by it all.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So, I mean, I think that was pivotal, pivotal, a pivotal moment in my life as a wrestling fan is being told right from the get-go, they're putting on a show for people. And it wasn't a demeaning you know, yeah, he did say, yeah, they're really not fighting, but but either way, um, then you know, but it's basically each match is one guy in black versus another guy in black and going at it, and then next match, the guy in black in the ring is waiting. They introduce him, and then this other guy's trotting down to the ring, and he's wearing a gold cape and a gold mask and gold tights, and just trots down, sucking in his gut, <laughs> and uh, and uh, hops over the top of the r- top rope and goes in the ring, and they announce him as. Uh, and I always loved it how, uh, uh, WWF back then would mill Mascaras yeah. <laughs> and
2: <laughs> he takes off,
1: out. he takes off his mask. Yeah. He takes off his mask and there's another mask underneath and he throws his mask out. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And then, and then I have vivid memories of being a kid and going, visiting my cousins and then having, uh, wrestling masks in the house and, and watching old, uh, Old Mexican horror movies, and there was always a, a mass wrestler coming in and saving the day, and uh, so I, I grew up around that stuff. Yeah, um, and, and then oh,
0: sorry, Nero, did you, you grew up in the Sacramento
1: area? Yeah, I grew up in the Sacramento area. Okay. Yeah, and then um, and then as a kid, um, I also um, right around the corner from me, there was a TV station uh, that ran uh, before the the first big time wrestling before the the one that Jason Styles and the the one in the Bay Area but Big Time Wrestling, and it was a little TV show, and they would do it in a little TV studio, probably like the same size of the one that, that you and I met at, and uh, I remember being like seven years old and seeing Tito Santana versus Playboy Buddy Rose, and then, uh, and then there was always like, it almost seemed like there was this mask guy that would come out later that looked an awful lot like a guy who wrestled earlier, but this mask guy always lost, so it's like, Years later, I found out. Oh, that was probably also Tito Santana again, yep. you know, but under a mask, and yeah. and so so like yeah, I I, w- I was very fortunate that that wrestling was you know around the corner from my house,
2: yeah,
1: and and uh, and I just always for some reason I think I always gravitated towards uh, the mask wrestlers, um, because I always felt that you know being a first generation Mexican when my parents first came. And they 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 moved to to the United States and they had kids. Um, my sister grew up speaking Spanish; English was her second language. My oldest brother grew up speaking Spanish; English was his second language. Uh, my next brother, uh, my uh, the my uh, the third one born, uh, kind of half and half English and Spanish, you know, but he, English was his primary language. Mm-hmm. Um, m- uh, quite a number of years later, a surprise came <laughs> in the name of. Uh, uh, Flaco Loco, uh, and I grew up primarily speaking English. Mm-hmm. And I think you and and you can attest to that. I'm not. I'm fluent in Spanish to people who don't speak Spanish, but to people who are fluent in Spanish, they know you don't. You're not fluent. Oh, you
0: I, saw, I saw an interview that they did of you at one of my shows.
1: Yeah, and, and I, was, you, I remember you <laughs> called. You're like. Dude, you know, you don't speak. I'm like, I'm just you, I'm not fluent. I'm
0: not fluent. I just thought in my head, like, oh yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's got it. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, no, no. And I'm and I'm not fluent in Spanish. And so I always felt like being a mass wrestler, being a luchador, and and pulling myself to that is I think that's my way of, of really trying to connect with with my culture, with my heritage, because I remember having a hard time because all of my cousins were fluent in Spanish and I get kind of picked on because I wasn't fluent. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I don't know, maybe it's just, uh, compensating, uh, but you know, Hey,
0: or getting in touch. Uh, I, I had this, uh, similar conversation with Chicano flame who yeah. is another, uh, uh, he was born in Mexico, but he was brought to the States at a very young age. So his culture was Chicano culture, you know, so his main yeah. language is English. So same yeah. as you. So by yeah. him donning the mask, it puts him in roots with this with this Mexican. Exactly. Type. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and then a great story. Like um, I was wearing a Santo shirt at uh, uh, at home when my mom was still alive, and my mom looks at me she's like El Santo, and I'm like, yeah. you know, when you know she knows I like wrestling. And then my mom says, you know, I I met him once. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you met Santo. And so my mom would say, yeah, you know, cause she grew up in um, a little town called Cuspala in the state of Zacatecas, a little tiny dirt town. Mm-hmm. And what they would do, uh, what they would do is they would, they would all the, her and all of her sisters and her brothers and her friends, they would all pile up into a car, go to the next little town because there was a wrestling show there or there was a, there was a band playing in it. And so she would go to, to Lucha Libra shows because those that was the only form of entertainment that would go to the poor communities. I mean, it would be everything from the biggest arena in Mexico City to this little dirt town that has a makeshift, you know, stands, and they put a ring out in the middle of a field. And so my mom would go to these lucha libre shows, not because she liked lucha libre, but that's where, you know, it was all friends were. Yeah. There was entertainment. The, it was entertainment. It was social times like so. Her and her sisters could go, you know, flirt with boys and vice versa and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and Santo's there, you know, signing autographs and all that. And, uh, and, uh, I think like, it was like, you know, he was ready to give my mom an autograph and she was like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> she wasn't interested. He's like, I didn't come to see you. I came to, you know, yeah, yeah. hang out with friends and all that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but that story resonates with me because I'm like, wow, that, that's, that is a part of our culture and it, it's part yeah. of who we are. And, um. And so I think that's, that's why I've been drawn to, to Lucha Libre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's great. Um, so now, okay. You're, you're, you got influenced by, you know, watching these shows uh, or hearing these stories. So how did you decide to like, let me go look for a, tra- a training facility? How would you even know that there was wrestling in your area?
1: Well, I started wrestling before I was training. I, I wrestled for incredibly strange wrestling. Mm-hmm. and uh el flaco loco was actually um a character that i came up with while i was working at a video store in sacramento there was a video store called cinemania and we specialized in d movies horror movies um and and uh i remember the day they said hey because there was like this big video warehouse and they would say hey if you want you could use our card to uh, you can purchase, uh, any wrestling videos that you want to have in the shop. And so I made it my point to have the biggest wrestling collection and, uh, selection in Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, and we would do these crazy things and I came up with this mass wrestling character, uh, called El Flaco Loco. And I called myself Flaco because that was my nickname as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad called me Flaco cause I was the skinny one in the house. Um, uh, and so uh, I was like, okay, loco, loco, whatever, that's my, and, and we would do uh, silly little uh, promotional things at the store. Like we did a live window display where I was eating chicharrones and drinking beer and watching CMLL and flipping people off as they're walking past the store. <laughs> and, 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 people, and we had, uh, we had plants out there uh, protesting. Ah, nice. Yeah the obs- the obscene live window display of this man flipping us off and drinking and watching and, the uh, yeah and watching lucha libre and you know I just they're like yeah just go just go get drunk in in the window display and and you know it'll be something silly so that's what flaco loco was and then from there um, I I heard of this promotion called incredibly strange wrestling in San Francisco and, um, and we've done a couple little wrestling promotion things at the video store, you know, like us play fighting. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, uh, I just, I, I put together a press kit, pretty much a photo of myself. I, I hand screened my own t-shirts. And so I put in a t-shirt just to, just to grease the wheels and, uh, and uh, a little one page of, Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do. I'd love to come uh, wrestle for you. And I went to a couple of ISW shows, and I was blown away. I'm like, the theatrics, the crowd was insane. I mean, it was packed. And then the fact that there was rock and roll music and wrestling yeah. and tortillas being thrown. Yeah. <laughs> and so, for some reason, they said, "Yeah, come on in." And and I got together a group of friends, and we we choreographed a a, a match, and uh, and I started doing that stuff, and then. Um, are I you, did that uh, for a couple of years.
0: The friends you're talking about, are there anybody that, that works now?
1: No, no, not at all. Not at all. they're, they're friends of mine from the music scene, okay. from the Sacramento music scene. I just, we put them together. In fact, um, um, the most noteworthy one, uh, Kevin Seconds. Who is the lead singer of a, a, a very legendary hardcore band called Seven Seconds? Mm. Uh, we brought him on as a, a, a sleazy manager from Los Angeles.
2: Mm.
1: And so there's video footage of Kevin seconds taking a stone cold stunner in the middle of a wrestling ring at ISW with tortillas being flung at us <laughs> from all corners. Nice. Um, but I did a few of those. And then, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, I, I lived the dream. I got to walk into a wrestling ring, I got to run around. I thought, Doing a great job wrestling, and then um, and then I got involved with the, the training aspect because I started noticing in my neighborhood um, the theater had SPW, but it was Sacramento Pro Wrestling, not Supreme Pro Wrestling. And um, and I went to a couple of shows, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is different." It's like this is real wrestling, you know. Not to not to steal a line from Hood Slam, but when I when I sat there. I looked at what SPW was doing and what mm-hmm. we were doing with ISW and I'm like, this is real. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And no, no offense to ISW. I had a great time, but I was drawn to the fact that these guys were trained and they were doing things that I want to learn how to do this. And so I put together a tape of all my ISW stuff and I gave it to the person that I think was in charge. It was a gentleman by the name of Rich Roby, uh, rest in peace. He gave it to the big ugly, the big ugly contacted me and I was ready for them to say, oh my God, you're the best thing we've ever seen. We want to bring you in. And and he's like, yeah, I saw your tape. Um, Your wrestling sucks. (laughs) He's like, you really suck in the ring, but you're good on the mic. Uh, If you want to come in and I can train you, Um, but if you don't want to train maybe we can make you a ring announcer or a manager. And I was like, all I heard was my wrestling sucks. I knew how to do a mahi straw cradle. That made me the technician of ISW.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I did a, cr- a second rope crossbody, so I was the high flying guy. You're extreme. Yeah, and and uh, but I was just like my wrestling sucks, and so then so then I was like, okay, yeah, and then um, from that point on, I I started training with the big ugly, and uh, and yeah, it was the best the best best experience ever. You know, I was working on much smaller shows, so I'm, yeah, I'm not wrestling in in front of a thousand people in the Fillmore. Now I'm wrestling in front of a couple of dozen people in a warehouse in Stockton. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seemed much more genuine. You know, it's like, you know, it was my punk rock roots of like, you know, yeah, I can play this huge show playing a cover song and not feel anything. Or I can play this basement punk rock show where people are really getting into it and then that's going to mean a lot more to me and so yeah that's exactly what my time with uh supreme pro wrestling and rpw out of Stockton and and training with big ugly that's what it was that's what it meant to me
0: was rpw out of stock i have all this footage from rpw and i i yeah. never remember where i was i want to say it was in Vacaville? Did they ever do a Vacaville or Dixon or somewhere out there?
1: Uh, they may have done a few shows here or there, but uh, they were based out of Stockton. Okay. And uh, the deal, was, I mean, RPW, Revolutionary Pro Wrestling, um, it was basically a group of young guys. And I hate the term backyarders. I, I've never liked that. I've never liked when when people call young 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 people doing wrestling, go, all these backyarders. I'm like, I was a backyarder wrestling at the Fillmore in front of a thousand people. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I wrestled in front of more people than, than some of these trained guys. But I was, you know, it's yeah. like, I hate that term backyarder. Yeah. Um, so there was these young guys and they were, they, they, everyone called them backyarders and they called them so, the RPW. They bought a ring. Mm-hmm. They wanted to learn how to do, they wanted to learn to wrestle. They wanted to do this stuff. Well, the big ugly uh, had been trained. And so he had a deal with them. He was like, okay, I'll come to, to Stockton to, to train you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll bring your ring and your crew of guys to Sacramento. You, uh, the ring will be there for for us to use, mm-hmm. and I'll book you guys or I'll have you on the show some way or another. And so that was the working relationship that the Big Ugly had with RPW. And so I would go train in Stockton mm-hmm. with RPW, and then be on the SPW shows in Sacramento with with guys like uh, uh Mister GSWA, Baby Ray, and mm-hmm. Wicked. And, and uh, Joe Average and uh, and Clint Douglas and main event Mike Daniel and all the these other all like, these guys who were great
0: the other Jesus Cruz
1: the yeah the the Brown Snake Cruz <laughs> yes, yeah yeah so the, many the, times like
0: so many times people that go to Hood Slam add me on Facebook and they would say hey man great match you know you're really you yeah. know I'm like dude sorry <laughs> it's yeah, it's another guy
1: spell differently <laughs> he spells it differently so there yeah. you go
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, and Jesus, oh, I love
0: that guy. Yeah, great guy. But, yeah, I gotta, I, I, I I gotta have him on one of these. So, uh, how was training like? Like, so you you know, going from just choreographing stuff with your friends for uh, ISW, how was mm-hmm. was it? How much of a shock was it when you were actually like, oh shit, I'm actually bumping, I'm actually doing cardio. They're,
1: yeah, they're actually really kicking and hitting. Yeah, it's like. You know, I, I remember the first time I took a kick to the back and I was like, oh, that's a real kick. That's not, there's no, there's nothing fake about that kick. And, and, uh, no. and I, it was a, definitely a shock to the system. The first time I took a bump bump and I realized, wow if you don't know how to do this it's gonna rattle your teeth loose. Uh, and anything from as simple as a hip toss can be severely, you can be severely injured if you don't know what you're doing and so i think that was the biggest the biggest thing for me is i gained even more and more respect for wrestling when i started training and i started really notice when i'd watch wrestling there are certain wrestlers that i started noticing that i never gave a second second glance to you know a wrestler like val venus i never was like yeah the porn star wrestler whatever but then when i started watching i'm like wow he's really crisp in the way that he does things yeah And then I started noticing wrestling and and I think training made me respect it even more. And uh, definitely it was, I don't know, just like maybe the way that, that the big ugly taught and the way that they trained um, there were life lessons in there to me, you know, um, learning that wrestling is taking care of that person you're in the ring with. Mm -hmm. It's not about, It's not about making yourself look good. It's about making them look good and taking care of them. And uh, even if you're, even if you're going over whatever to make them look good. Yeah. And to take care of them. And that was the, it was, it was so much more than just learning the moves. There was a lot about learning respect for, for, for this, uh, for this uh, craft. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, the bumps hurt, the kicks hurt, the, you know, taking a chair shot to the head <laughs> did not feel good. Yeah. But the lessons of respect and and taking care of each other, those were lifelong lessons that you know, the big ugly passed down.
0: Yeah. Right on, man. Who who were some of your uh co-students that, that still work right now?
1: Ones that still work, um God I, I think Jesus Brown Snake Cruz, I don't know if he still works, but he was the one that lasted the longest. He was one of the guys who was in there when I started training. All, the, all the, the guys who, when I started training, who were training with me, uh, you know, have quit and gone, gone on. I'm trying to think, other than the big ugly, um, I think Jesus Cruz was the longest lasting one. Uh, later on, the, there was another crew of wrestlers that came through, and that's where guys, I got to meet guys like Mike Rain. So he's still he's still going. Uh, uh, he would Mike Rain would go between the uh, Fresno promotion and Stockton, so um, um, so I'd see him there. But from the old RPW RPW days, I think it's just the Big Ugly. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I I think after the interview, I'm like, oh wait, no, there's this. But I mean, yeah. offhand, offhand, Big uh, Ugly.
0: How was your? Uh, who was your first match against, and how how was your first match at at it, at uh, Supreme Pro Wrestling SPW? Well, as a trainer, now, as a train. Yeah,
1: what, what's interesting is the big ugly wouldn't let me wrestle at SPW. <laughs> he would be like, "Hey, you're still training. If RPW wants to book you, go ahead. Okay. You can work, but you're not wrestling for me yet until I think you're ready." So, and I was, and I'm like, "Wait, you're my train?" <laughs> and so, like, but he wouldn't let. So, my goal was always, "I want to wrestle at SPW." But I wrestled. Um, RPW was my first promotion that I tr- wrestled as a trained wrestler. I think, um, I wrestled guys like main event, Mike Daniel. Um, I think I worked, uh, I may have worked a couple matches with uh Brown snake with Jesus Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was, just, I think they, I was taken care of. Most of the time I was put in a tag match. Uh, I was put in, uh, you know, multi, multi wrestler matches just to kind of cover up for my lack of, uh, of ability. And then, um, uh, but then I'd go to SPW and I would manage. And, uh, and even then, uh, ugly was really adamant about like, okay, I'm going to ease you into this. You're going to be a manager. Then you're going to be a manager who takes bumps. Then you're going to be a manager who's going to be put in a gimmick match with a bunch of people around you. And then little by little, then a tag and then, yeah, then nice. a singles wrestler. So he, he gradually got me to that point. Um, but yeah, I think guys like, uh, Main event, Mike Daniel from uh, from uh, from Fresno. There was a professor Poindexter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, he was an interesting guy that I got to work with a few times. Got to work with Bulldog Brian Raymond. Um, once I got a little more uh, city council
0: uh, member. Uh, yeah, Brian <laughs> Raymond. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Once
1: uh, once I got a little more confident in the ring, then Ugly started putting me in more uh, high profile matches.
0: So we we talked about how you came up with your with your name Flaco Loco and actually just a quick little side story there my my middle brother i think i took him to spw show and he took a liking to you and okay. uh, he bought one of the shirts he bought the one that says flaco fn loco yeah on it <laughs> and that was and he used that nickname uh during high school
2: oh great so they
0: called. oh him that's loco awesome flaco loco you know he would tag on his <laughs> he would tag on his backpack so that's just a
1: oh, little side oh thing. that's oh that's awesome i love that i love that yeah. Ask him if he's got any pictures of those backpacks. I'd love to see it. Uh,
0: yeah, he probably does. I'll, I'll, I'll look for. <laughs> um, but so you—that's how you created the Flaco Loco character. Now, how did you come up with the design for, for your
1: mask? Um, the mask, uh, once again, that's a long story. Uh, the first Flaco Loco mask, when I was still this character, <laughs> so there's a, somewhere there's an old newspaper's article with me wearing a the Jalisco mask, doing this dance, <laughs> as a Flaco Loco. Yeah. Um, and then I, I started buying all these, you know, uh, these uh, souvenir masks. And uh, I had like a Pierrot and uh, all these other ones, uh, 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 Hurricane Ramirez and whatnot. And I went to go see a band called Los Straight Jackets. Mm. And this was back when uh, when Los Straight Jackets originally started. They would wear Mexican wrestling masks, but they wore uh, masks of the actual wrestlers. Like there was a Atlantis, Canet. Mm-hmm. Ultimo Dragon, and, uh, and I forget the other one. But then I think that they got a cease and desist because you can't, you know, Atlanta, I'm sure the CMLO was like, you can't be wearing this guy's mask because we own that character. And yes. so, so those straitjackets then designed their own masks. And I went to go see them in concert and I bought uh, a lead singer uh, or lead guitarist, Danny Amos, Daddy O'Grand. I bought one of his masks. But it was like, you know, the foam, the, the, the really thick foam yeah. kid mask. And it was silver and blue. And so then, well, Flaco Loco was gonna be silver and black. So I remember taking a Sharpie and just coloring over everything that was blue on this Danny Amos mask. <laughs> and if you, if, so if you look up Los it's Danny Amos of Daddy O Graham. that was the, that was the, I guess, the second Flaco Loco mask, except I just colored it in a Sharpie. And then um, through working at the video store, before I started wrestling for ISW, I wanted to get a real mask made, and I found and I, I feel horrible if he sees this because I forgot his name. He was the, he did masks for uh, a lot of the Lucha Boom guys and and the, the 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 men and women who wrestled in uh, Lucha Boom. He did a lot of their masks, and I forget how I got his contact information, but I sent him my my Daddy O Grand mask sharpie Den, in, and he made me a professional one. So it was basically the daddy old grand mask, but it was in black and silver. And, and I started using that. And then, um, and then when he found out that, well, this is someone else's mask, he, he was the one who came originally came up and was like, I'm going to keep the this pretty much the same design, but I'm going to just kind of fancy it up a little bit. And so um, I think he just basically took the design and added a little bit here, add a little bit there, tweaked it here and just kind of, I, and I told him, like, my favorite masks were always Neil Mascaras, uh, Dr. Wagner. I love Dr. Wagner's mask. And so I think him taking that and like he just crafted this design. And when I, when I got that first mask, that, that is essentially this design, I was just blown away. So um, I feel bad for forgetting his name, but he did, he's the one who came up with the, the design. He's not, it's, the, it's more.
0: he's not the ref as well, is he at uh, Baboom?
1: No, 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 no. I think he just, he did my mask for uh, a couple of years. And then this is back in the old MySpace days, I think. Mm-hmm. And he just contacted me saying, Hey, I'm getting out of making masks. It's just too much work. Mm-hmm. It just taken too much. And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, okay. So uh, I, from then I went, when I found a, another mask maker to, I just basically sent them my design and he started making them ever since then. It's a guy named by the name of, uh, Iron Man, Mike Woody. And, uh, he's out in tennessee and he's been making my masks for about the past 15 years
0: oh nice but the but the
1: original design it's going to bug me because i'm going to have to go back and look it up it uh it was the the mask maker for uh, lucho baboom he's the one who who took that daddio grand design and morphed it into what what it is and and i love it I, it's i i'm, I'm yeah. it's one of my favorite mask designs yeah
0: yeah, no, no, it's really dope, man. I mean, it's very, yeah. I mean, those, the quality, you can just tell the quality of, of those yeah. masks are. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Did you ever yeah. make any commercial masks like to sell at, at shows? No,
1: I never, I never looked into that. Um, Cause I, I knew that it would be uh, expensive because, you know, it couldn't be like, Oh, I'll just have a dozen of them made. Cause then I'd have to turn around and sell them for 40 or 50 bucks. Yeah. And if I did do it, I'd want to sell them for $10 at shows. Cause yeah. there was a guy, there was a guy, I used to go to this guy in San Francisco he lived in the mission district and he had a warehouse and he just had all these Mexican wrestling. Oh, things, like, know the you're warehouse. Talking about, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would just go in and uh, uh, he would bring out this big old box and it was just filled with masks. And he's like, all right,
2: yeah, pick
1: out it, whichever ones you want. And he would sell them to me for like uh, eight bucks each.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I would, I would, I'd spend like 200 bucks and then I'd turn around and sell those for 10, 15 bucks at shows. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't really making a whole lot of profit, but it was, to me, I wanted people to come to a show and see Mexican wrestling masks. Yeah. Because I felt like that, that only helped my cause. Yeah, you know, no,
0: but I think, I think you would have done really well if you sold that commercial flaco yeah. mask. I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't know if you're, uh, you remember a luchador named Roquero del Diablo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which, is, which was the first guy that I found in the Bay Area.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Actually, his very first match was at Supreme Pro Wrestling against I remember-
1: Sal Tomaselli. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he that had a great mask. Yeah, he had a great mask. Um, yeah. So he sells uh, a
0: lot of merch, man. And as I, one time I went on a road trip with him, Kenny K, and Cal Jack to Oxnard, uh-huh. Roquero got them booked at this Lucha show in Oxnard. And uh, me and Kenny, Kenny K wrestled. He went out after his match. I hung out with him in the merch table. Then Roquero del Diablo finishes his match, comes outside. This lady is waiting for him with a hundred dollar bill to buy his mask off his office oh my god right there and Kenny is <laughs> just staring at me and he's like <laughs> dude i need to start wearing a mask and yeah he told two that night the same way yeah it's
1: like it's it, insane it yeah well i mean it's like merchandise is is the way that uh you know and i was always i'm not gonna say you know that i was a 24 7 worker i was a weekend warrior at best. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these wrestlers, the, there's there's guys who are on a different level, and this is this is uh, their their livelihood. And you make your money on merchandise. You know, even if you're doing like a weekend road trip, you make your money on merchandise. And uh, even like when Ugly would take us up to Portland, I'd have my box of T-shirts and and stickers and buttons and yeah. and whatever masks that I had, and I'd set up a merch table, and yeah, I'd make twenty bucks from the promoter, but I'd walk away with like. Two or three hundred dollars from the merch table, the merch, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's that's now, what's important.
0: Diving into the merch, let's talk about these t shirts <laughs> that you just re released. Yeah, the Lucha Libre Mafia t shirt, Nunca Mueren Los Rudos, the yeah. heels will never die. Yeah, he's also got this one on prowrestlingtees.com right now.
1: Uh, yeah, my Japanese tour shirt. This is,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also, I showed him earlier, I have these old school ones,
1: yeah, that, that the motor,
0: motorhead inspired one.
1: Yeah, I was Motorhead before Triple H. I'm just saying, <laughs> I was into Motorhead before. I, I never, never met Lenny, but still.
0: There's uh so this that, this one here is pretty much like this the yeah new one here, but this one right here it has um not really meaning to me, but it's it's like I want to be able to fit in this shirt again. So it's like a weight, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weight goal for me.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: I have oh, a before picture with it on, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to. Oh, that's bad.
1: Yeah. Right? Um, yeah.
0: So, yeah, uh, you can find his merch at Uh So talk to us about how the uh, Lucha Libre Mafia started. Like, how did that idea start?
1: Well, um, Lucha Libre Mafia, the, one of the other silly things I did is um, when I was training at SPW, um I did a, a Monday night talk show at a coffee shop. Uh, Kevin Seconds, who I mentioned earlier, he had a coffee shop called True Love Coffee House, and, um, and they, didn't, they didn't have anything going on on Monday nights. And I was like, hey, why don't I have Flacco come in and I'll just do a talk show where, where we watch Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and we talk about it in between commercial breaks. And that's the, the entire gist of the show mm-hmm. was we would watch, it was like kind of mystery science theater with pro wrestling. Nice. And I'd sit up there and, and I'd sit up there and drink coffee and Sal Tomaselli was my sidekick. Uh, and then other times Tommy Tsunami was up there, just the whole cast of characters. Um, and there would be these, these, um, these, punk, these, these punk rock kids um, that I had a very soft spot in my heart because they were Mexican punk rockers. Mm-hmm. And, like, anytime, anytime I'd see punk rock kids who were Mexican, I was like, oh, yay, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And then, but they were punk rock Mexicans who also liked wrestling. And so I would call them my little lucha libre mafia because there's like these three guys. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they look like Mexican Sid Vicious. <laughs> you know, they had spiky black hair and leather jackets and they'd watch wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, and they'd talk shit to the TV all the time. It was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so th- those were the, 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 I first came up with the idea of Lucha Libre Mafia, my little group of punk rock Mexicans. Yeah. Um, and then when, when I was working with, with Ugly and he wanted me to come in, when he wanted to introduce my character to SPW, he wanted me to bring a faction with me. And it was actually some of the guys that I worked with in ISW. And we all came in with masks. And we just kind of came in as this outside group and, you know, total, like, a little invasion angle. And I just took that term, Lucha Libra Mafia, and went from there. And so then Ugly started using that as a vehicle to bring in other wrestlers, put them in my group, mm-hmm. uh, we'll put them under a mask, um, and and they'll be the Lucha Libra Mafia. And so we had a, a, there was a running cast of, of characters, but I think uh, guys like uh, uh, the original Chupacabra, uh, Jesus Brown Snake Cruz, uh, uh, the Mexican werewolf, Tupacabra, and even uh, Sal Tomaselli under a mask. Uh, yeah. Remember, he was the... the Rabia, the state, too, right? Uh, Rabia was in Yeah, Rabia. Rabia was also in that, too. And, uh, and uh, oh, I love Rabia. <laughs> he was a great guy. And
0: Rabia had the Lucha Libre uh, schooling.
1: Like, yeah, He yeah. actually
0: trained uh, Lucha Libre. I believe he trained yeah. in Tijuana, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. He trained with... Uh, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but I believe he trained with uh, Rey Mysterio Sr. Senior. Senior, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I
0: remember that as well.
1: Yeah, I, I remember uh, going to a, uh, like a dollar store and seeing like these dollar store Lucha Libre toys. Mm-hmm. And they had cartoon characters of the wrestlers. And one of them was Rabia.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: not, oh, kind of no, no, no. That was, it was taken directly from his promo photo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember buying one and saying, have you seen this before? And he's like, yeah. what the? <laughs> like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah. well, someone took your image and made a, made a wrestling toy out of it. Yeah.
2: But,
1: but yeah, so, uh, so the Lucha Libre Mafia, it, it started out as like this little nickname that I had for a group of punk rock Mexicans that would come to my coffee talk show. And then we just used that for the name of my faction. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I remember we'd make t-shirts. Uh, you know, I did all the, the SPW shirts. I did the Big Ugly shirts. I did the, the Big Uglies faction, the, uh, the Hit Squad. We did their shirts and we would sell those. Mm-hmm. And I made one Lucha Libre Mafia shirt that I would sell at the merch. And it was like a triple extra large and we were selling for 80 bucks. <laughs> and, it, and we put it up, all the other shirts have about 80 bucks for that. <laughs> and we only made one. They're like, do you have any other size? Nope. Just that one, that one triple X. And we did that to piss people off. I'm like, no, no, you can't get one unless you're in the faction. You don't get, you don't get the Lucha Libre. And then later on, I realized, ah, let's just make them. And then I think the, the one that you have was the first, that, that gray one. The that's the first one, yeah. to- that's the first design that we made for to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, the no, original. Nobody, ever, Libra,
0: nobody the '81.
1: No one bought that because I, I I got it in a size that you know no one would want, and then uh, and then I got it. I mean, if someone gave me eighty bucks for that shirt, we would have sold because I'd say, yeah, if someone's going to give you eighty bucks. Take yeah. it. But and now it's we a made, part of history too. The yeah.
0: only one that was made for that price.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Right.
0: Right. Right. Oh man. <laughs> What were your um uh, what were one of or a couple of your most memorable moments uh working at the colonial favorite matches or memorable
1: matches? I think anytime um anytime that ugly trusted me with a high profile match, like doing a, a steel cage match with him, um I mean believe it, I mean it's it's so weird to think that like I've done like two or three Steel Cages ma- steel cage matches yeah. where weapons were involved, or you know, we're talking about Everything from barbed wire covered tables to bowling balls to clay pots and things like that. Some of my favorite memories, though, um, had to do with the comedy, the comedy aspect of it. Like uh, doing the uh, um, when CJ back then when he wrestled as Dante and Mm -hmm. he's a great wrestler, but a horrible promo. And we did a skit where like ugly would just say, hey, whatever you want to go to. He gave me so much creative license. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Okay, I want to go out there and give promo lessons to Dante. Now, Dante, you and I have been up and down the road, and I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And to to, to complete the package, to make you the well-rounded wrestler that you should be, I'm gonna help you. Step number one. Okay, all right, all right. Step number two, aside from all the... The great stuff you do in in the ring, you know, where you kick and you punch and then you do all that Dragon Ball Z stuff and you fly around and and you've got... All right. You suck on the mic. All right? And I don't mean... And I don't mean you're like Super Dave sucking on the mic rain. I mean... Sorry, guys. I mean, you have... I'm, I'm, I'm moving on, I'm moving on. This, this will enhance the intensity of this match. In my hands, right here, I have the secret to your success. Flaco Loco's Book of Promos. Ah! Are you ready? Intensity, 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 go ahead.
0: Grab microphone and face restlessly in the ring. Don't, don't
1: read that, don't read that. Don't read that, that's too- First of all, it's
0: great to be here in insert name of city. Go on, go on, on. Tonight, insert name of tag team partner, and I will have the pleasure to teach you all a new meaning of destruction. Insert name of opponent. Insert name of opponent. Your best bet is to pack your bags and head for the hills because tonight we plan on kicking more ass than insert name of local sports sports team. If you have a catchphrase, right now it would be a good time to oh, say it.
1: No, no, no. We're using valuable time at a wrestling show for us to do this skit. But Ugly was cool with it, and it got us over, and it was funny. So the times were, that were, we did were, little you,
0: comedy. Your jester hat on. And-
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think the, the times as, as, as memorable as like the the steel cage match with the Big Ugly, or the, the Lucha Libre Mafia versus uh, the beautiful people in a steel cage match. and and all the hardcore matches and the crazy, crazy things that we did to our bodies. But I think some of the more memorable things were the times when the big ugly would let me do comedy in the ring. And then, um, the time that I beat him for the title and I didn't know about it, I didn't know I was going to win. Uh, see so got I mean, I don't know how, how much of the, the fourth wall we're, we're, we're breaking here, but, uh. When I beat the Big Ugly for the title, I didn't know I was going to win. What's going to happen was um, uh, I was supposed to sneak in, roll him up. He's going to kick out at two and run off. And and then I'm just going to jaw jack at him and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Big Ugly comes out does his promo. And I'm all ready to sneak in to do all this. And as he's doing the promo, uh, the the referee, uh, is a person who now wrestles as the Mexican werewolf, chupacabra. <laughs> um, I believe he was the referee at this. And so I I do this little flip and pin and go for the pin, waiting for Ugly to kick out at two. One, two, three. I look up and I'm like, and the big ugly's pissed and he's up, and I'm like, oh my God. And he this is before he was choopy, but I'm like, for the sake of uh, of of Kate, I'm like Chupi is going to get screamed at. Chupi is in so <laughs> much trouble. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. And like everyone's going crazy. This is back when we packed the theater, yeah. And people are going nuts. And I'm just like, what? And they're giving me the title. They're announcing me as the new SPW heavyweight champion. And I just see the big. I don't see the big ugly JD Bishop. I see my trainer. Yeah. Pissed off because the ref screwed up.
2: Yeah. And I'm
1: like. <laughs> How the hell are we gonna get out of this? How the hell are we gonna get out of it? <laughs> and then I get to the back and Ugly's got the biggest smile on his face. And I'm like, you mother. <laughs> so I that's so awesome. that was the so my most memorable thing was the biggest rib that the big ugly played on me was having me beat him in like five seconds. Yeah. And then that led to the the steel cage match. But you know, for one month I was the heavyweight champion, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's 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 a great story, man uh going back to uh like i said working other shows uh let's talk about this show right here behind me I one of in, my favorites <laughs> i brought in you and uh crypto yeah from up north and you guys uh, i think crypto and apollo Con tagged
1: mm-hmm.
0: against you and was it Choopy? that was Choopy. and chupee and this was this your first time wrestling i know you wrestled in front of a lot of people before but is this the time wrestling in front of a straight mexican fan base
1: this was my first that was my first uh genuine, legitimate Lucha Libra show. And when you, when we were talking earlier about wanting to connect with my culture, I think, um, this is probably one of the, the most meaningful nights of my life because I felt like this is, this is where I was supposed to be that one night and, uh, being on a Lucha show. I mean, there's a lot of things that I didn't like about what went on that night, but, yeah. but go, we'll get to that I'm sure. But, uh, you know, watching, you know, and you shared that video with me and I've only got like little bits and clips before, but then watching the entire match and uh, it meant a lot to me to be. <laughs> I feel bad because, you know, I, you know, for all those fans, I'm like, yeah, you know, he's really can't speak Spanish as well as you think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, but man, you had the
0: crowd when you came out in the bike with the flag, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, we came and oddly, we came out to um, uh, uh, Union Union 13. Covering Roots Radical in Spanish, and oddly enough, Lars Fredrickson's in the crowd, and he and I kind of uh, once again back in the myspace days, he and I kind of connected and befriended each other, and we talked wrestling. And there was a part of me was like, "Is this really Lars?" That I'm? and then, but yeah, it was, and he's just a huge wrestling fan and loves lucha libre, and uh, so, so that was that was by design. I want to come out to a song that that he he wrote or co-wrote and but it's in Spanish and we came out and so you knew he
0: was there before you came out
1: yeah yeah because we had been we had communicated before and uh and I was telling him about the show and uh he's like oh yeah I'm planning on coming I'm bringing guys from my band out and this is when he was doing Lars Fredricks and the bastards gotcha. so he brought all those guys out and uh and but it's kind of funny cuz he never he never saw my face you know he's always just seen me as a mask and and we we talked a little bit afterwards uh on uh online and and via text yeah uh just texting back and forth to each other and uh, uh but yeah it was great just to be there and just seeing that crowd and then hearing the stories about you telling me like i totally forgot about that woman yeah <laughs> the, the lady that uh, the, 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 yeah the dancing woman but I think, I just love, there was, everything about that match which just seems like, everything was, went in slow motion for me in the ring.
2: Nah. And, and I mean
1: that in a good way. It was just like, I was just taking it all away and I'm like just looking out and seeing Mexican people cheering for me. Yeah. And, and uh, that meant a lot to me. That meant so much to me. I was like, this is, this is why I want to be a mass wrestler. You know, yeah. This is why I want to connect with, with my culture. Yeah. This is how I can do this, you know. I, I suck at conjugating verbs, <laughs> but uh, but um, but I'm really enjoying coming out, wearing these colors, being the mass wrestler, going oh. against. And you want to talk Kryptonite? You want to talk about <laughs> one yeah. of the so underrated and yeah. such an amazingly talented heel? Yeah. I loved working with Kryptonite. I mean, I we did a hair versus mask match at SPW. But that match that we did in San Jose was my favorite because he and a, um, I think more so Kryptonite, he was just so good at making people hate him. Oh, yeah. It was so easy to be the, the Mexican hero with a guy like Kryptonite on the other side of the ring because you just wanted to punch him in the face. And he was so <laughs> good at that. And,
2: yeah.
1: and, such, and, and Joe was such a sweet, sweetheart of a guy. And Apollo Khan, super talented. Um, I swear to God, he treated me so well in that. In that, I, everything, he, he, everything he threw at me, everything he, he did, felt like a pillow. Like and th- there's one move where he just does this uh, this uh, this moon salt onto me. Yeah, I don't feel a thing. He was so good at what he did. I wish Apollo Khan uh, did more in wrestling. I'm, still, I'm surprised yeah. that he, you know, he was so good in the ring. But yeah. man, crypto.
0: Yeah, I know that that match got a lot of heat, man. The crowd was hot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, and we, yeah. were,
1: we were early, we were early. So that was, I think we got them early and the crowd was, hadn't seen the same match over and over already. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was fun. I had a great time.
0: My relationship with FMLL, that, that's the promotion that uh, we were talking about, was of uh, I would be the guy that put out posters everywhere. I, you know, I, and this is all volunteer. This is just me wanting to be a part of, of, a, of a company. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was still working for Big Time and APW, but I'm like, oh, dude, I got, I got to get in on this Lucha Libre kick. So I yeah. hooked up Kirk White, the promoter for Big Time Wrestling. I hooked him up with FMLL, so they rented Kirk's ring every time. Yeah. Of course, they got their match, Jason Styles, and everybody got their match. Mm-hmm. As well. But the promoter, you know, he's a little bit on the shady side, a little bit on the, you know, it was like, dude, you know, bringing you these guys lost in that like, I'm surprised you guys even got paid. And I was like, oh fuck you, please pay these guys. Cause now I'm gonna yeah. look like an, a, like an asshole. No, but then he's trying to sell you this fucking merch table Uh uh-huh. for like-
1: Well, uh, here's, the, here's the thing that I've always, one of the comparisons between the music industry, independent music and independent wrestling. I always have a better relationship with independent, with promoters who were musicians. I always have a better relationship with promoters who used to be wrestlers. I, I don't think this guy has ever stepped in a ring. No. And I remember pulling, when I came, I brought my cousin with me. Um, and I remember walking in, I got there early, the ring was set up. I walk into this beautiful, beautiful arena. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I've got my rolly bag and I've got my merch, my merch box with me. And I come over and my cousin had kind of like talked to a couple, of people. he was like, oh yeah, that, that guy, uh, his name was, uh, I what is, whatever his name was, he's like, yeah, that's the promoter squad. I went over there, You know, Ugly taught me, you shake everyone's hand. Everyone from, from the person who it, who's sweeping the ring to the person who's signing your paycheck or giving you your, your payout, you shake everyone's hand. So I go over, I shake my hand, I introduce myself to him, I thank him for uh, the show. And the whole time he's looking at my box in my merch box he's like, yeah, uh, uh, what do you got there? I'm like, oh, it's just merchandise, you know, like t-shirts and things to sell. He's like, oh, you need a table for that. I was like, oh, I have a table in the car. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, I'd be happy to bring you something. No, 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 you have to rent a table for me. Yeah. I'm like, well, how much is it gonna cost? And he's like, oh, I don't know if I have any left, but it's, it's like $800. <laughs> he was going to charge me $800 to rent a table. And I, I, I mean, I'm just like, Oh, I'm okay. Whatever. You know. And, uh, and I just took, I just, uh, I took my merch, put it back in the locker room. I got dressed. And then, uh, then I, I just told myself, I'm going to go out at intermission. I'm going to sell my, I don't care. I'm going to sell my shit. Yeah. Cause I, it's like, I think he was going to pay each tag team, whatever he paid my, my cut would have been like $20, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, and so I just went out and sold t-shirts. So like during intermission, they had the big table there. There was a, you know, you had Santo, you had Blue Demon, Psychosis, Remus, they Mysterio, all signing autographs and, and, and whatnot. I don't know if they were selling things. Uh, there were some guys selling, uh, some of the other wrestlers were selling XPW DVDs and things like that. And then I just walked over, opened up my box, put a couple shirts out, and I think, you know, maybe sold five or six shirts. Um, but still, you know, sold some merch. And then I was talking to one of the other wrestlers, I was like, telling him the story. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah but we he didn't offer to sell us a table or whatever, yeah. we're just... And then, and then there was like you know maybe give him ten percent of we're cut. That's kind of industry standard. And I was just like, no, I'm not giving him anything, man. Yeah. It's like he was trying to he was trying to hold me up for eight hundred bucks for a table <laughs> to sell t-shirts. I'm like, nah. Like, and so then, man, then I find home. Yeah. And so then I find out that he was super upset with me for setting up merchandise. And I was like, I'd already wrestled. Already sold some merch. I. I've been text messaging with Lars Fredrickson. I'm doing okay. Yeah. 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. If this guy is pissed at me, you know, it's like I, because I'm going to go home feeling pretty good about myself.
0: No, when I was ready to leave, he, uh, he told me, his name was Rocky. Yeah. He told me, Hey, Hey, I need to talk to you about one of your guys. And I'm like, I got to go, dude.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, surprisingly, I never got a call back from them for that (laughs) to work for them again. But, uh, whatever I mean it's just like that's obviously someone who doesn't understand what professional wrestlers have to do what they have to go through yeah and it's like you know what what I'm gonna do with that I'm gonna probably make more merchandise with whatever I sell or I'm gonna I'm gonna buy my cousin dinner on the way home because he came to the show or you know I'm gonna use the money I make and I'm gonna buy a Santo t-shirt and you know and help him out and whatnot but yeah yeah, it's like that that kind of that whole like yeah, that would that. That guy was just like he was. He reminded me of everything that's wrong with promoters. Yeah, but then, but then you have so many promoters that do everything right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was just so disappointed because they had the potential of being a, a big powerhouse
2: mm-hmm.
0: here in the Bay Area. I mean, I'm sure they're big in LA, but dude, like,
2: yeah, it would
0: come every every like four or five months. But yeah, dude, you yes. guys had so much potential. You guys, all this name, and it's just very unorganized. Like, I had to run around and get people's music. I had to run around and make sure people were coming out when they are supposed I'm like, dude, I don't even work here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh,
0: so. going back, uh, talking about Apollo Con and working other places, you worked a couple of shows for Pro Wrestling Iron. Can you tell mm-hmm. us your experience about working in Pro Wrestling Iron?
1: Um, I, 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 I really like the guys from Pro Wrestling. Frank Murdoch was probably my favorite from that entire group of guys uh, from Pro Wrestling Iron. I did a couple of shows for them. Um, the the probably the biggest the biggest one was the one that had uh, Misawa. I got to work that one. Unfortunately, I had to work with uh, a wrestler under a mask uh, who yeah. wrestled as Super Otaku. Yeah, and then he made his way into the WWE, and now you know, yeah, whatever. But I was what I hate. It's like the only match that I have that's on a DVD that you can get somewhere. Yeah. What I hate about that is like I was like okay. I'll work with I'll we'll work with this guy,
2: yeah. and
1: uh, and uh, you know he trained he was trained with them and he's going over so you know they're not going to have the SPW guy go over on one, the PWI guy I don't care about
2: that mm-hmm.
1: but I just all I want to know is like is there any story to it or we're we just going out you know one mask guy versus mm-hmm. another mask guy and then uh, then I ask okay well who's gonna who's gonna be the heel
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like and and he's oh no no Super Otaku is the heel what do you mean? Like he was insulted that I asked. him like, I'm like, okay. All right. So so if you're the heel um, and I'm going out first and I'm the baby face, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come out. So I, I went to the merch mm-hmm. bought a pro wrestling iron t-shirt, put it on, you know, and then come out. Yeah. You know, Oh my gosh. Just, you know, just totally like over the top baby face, just trying to be the biggest white niece baby face I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then waiting for the heel, my opponent, to make his way. His music comes out, his music sounds like some video game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh crap, and, you know? And whereas I came out to Ace of Spades, I think, or something, I forget what I came out to, but, and then he comes out and he's slapping fans on the hands and doing all, and I'm like, you're supposed to be the heel. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, so I come out here, I'm slapping fans, I'm, I'm giving high fives to the fans and going, come on everyone, yeah, yeah. You're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, there goes the story. And then he proceeds to, he gives me a kick to the back and it's right on my kidneys. The years of demons in the, oh, listen to that.
0: Vicious kick right to the lower spine.
1: Bet he wishes he had a few demons in him now or some kind of painkillers right there. And a stomp to the back of Flacco's head.
2: Beautiful kick.
1: But look at Flacco oh, returning the favor. One of his own. That's called a receipt, J.J. Purdom. A receipt. Like, as soon as he kicks me, I'm like, I could feel the blood going into my bladder. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I think, uh, I was upset if you watch it, it's like, I did, it, I did a snap mirror and then I kicked him. And then like, my whole thing is like, <laughs> after I kicked him, I'm like, oh, sorry. And then I slapped my leg <laughs> afterwards because, you know, it, it, even though people are doing it, a lot of people are doing it now, not as many people were doing the whole leg slap kick thing. And he did the the leg slap kick, but he kicked me right in the kidneys. And then I was so pissed off at that, that I <laughs> snapped at him, kicked him right across the back where I, where I was trained to kick and then slapped my leg later. <laughs> and then it went, went backstage and, and I'm just kind of like, uh oh. I mean, the match was okay, but I was just upset because, you know, I'm not the most physically gifted athlete in the ring. So the only thing i got is storytelling. Yeah. That's what I, I'm not going to be doing flips. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be blowing people away. Like, how did he do that? That's not going to happen with me. What is going to happen is that's a good guy. That's a bad guy. I want to cheer for them. I want to boo them. Yeah no matter what, whether you cheer for the good guy or the bad guy, I want to give people that, give the fans that right off the bat. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure, as I always tell people whenever, whenever I talk to people who are trained, the most important part of a wrestling match is from that curtain to the ring. You need to let everyone that watches you know where they stand with you. Yeah. Are they supposed to cheer for you? Or are they going to boo you? And I made it, it was like, okay, if I'm supposed to be the good guy, let's cheese it up, get these people cheering for me. So if my opponent is supposed to be the bad guy and they're doing the exact same thing, it's like, you, you've cut, you've killed my my entire my entire shtick. I can't tell a story now. There's no story. you got these two guys who are slapping fan, hands with the fans. So now it's, okay, who can kick the other person in the most dangerous way? And it, and it blows me away because then, like, you know, uh, I think the the next PWI show I work with, I, I'm working with Davey Richards. Mm-hmm. And Davey Richards, was, and I was just, and I straight up told him, like, Davey, um, y- I'm limited with what I can do, and he said, like, "Oh, don't worry, don't worry. It's going to be super easy. It's going to be super old school." And it was great. Yeah. Like Davy Richards was just like, just such an easy, easy person to work with. It was a tag match, but he was just he knew what to work with. And I think same with Apollo Khan and Kryptonite. And I mean, the thing I loved about Kryptonite is like it's made it so easy to tell that story. Yeah, we before the bell even rang, people knew. This is what this person's like, this is what this person's like. You have two completely opposite sides of the ring. You know, Kryptonite didn't come out waving a Mexican flag and, and clapping. He came out, yeah. you know, you know, he he hit us with our flag, you know, yeah. he stepped yeah. on our flag. It's like, I loved it. I'm like, oh God, if you hit us with the Mexican flag, they're gonna hate you. <laughs> I love this. I don't, yeah. I don't have to do anything to get over this way. But like, but when you're both going out there trying to be the good guy.
2: Yeah. you don't uh-huh. give
1: the other person anything to work with i mean I wish I wish what we would have done in that match is said okay you be the heel I would have come out there I would have just torn the cr- crowd apart so as soon as supro Taco hit me everyone would lose their minds I think that would have been a that would have been a much better story but hey hindsight
0: yeah and a lot of I've seen a lot of uh Mexican rudos the luchadores mm-hmm. rudos they do the same thing like yeah They'll come out and they'll do high fives and they'll they'll take the pictures with the fans, but their motive is that they want to sell mass. They want to sell yeah. merch. So yeah. they want to be rules, but they want you to like them enough to yeah. buy their shit afterwards, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I um, think that's, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, you can still sell merch, you know, you just, you can still sell merch and piss off the fans.
2: Yeah. You
1: yeah. know? Yeah.
0: So, um, kind of winding down a little bit, uh, can yeah. you tell us one of your favorite road stories? <laughs>
1: um, I think my favorite road story is um, when I worked in uh, in Reno, Nevada. A group of us were leaving Sacramento. We go to Reno, Nevada, and uh, I decided to, uh, I decided I wanted to take uh, Joe Applebomber with me. You know, it's like, he was like, I'll, I'll ride with you. And I had a big old, uh, Buick grand, grand, you know, just big, big giant Buick. And, uh, this was before, um, you know, having a, a smartphone with a, with an app on it. Mm-hmm. So I just downloaded the, um, I printed and downloaded the directions, mm-hmm. um, uh, on like MapQuest or whatever. And I clicked the button, uh, shortest path, but I may have also couldn't the button that says, uh, without taking any highway.
0: Uh, it's all backwards so're so
1: we're all driving we're driving to this one spot and then you know we, we, we get you get gas and all that and then Applebaum Joe Joe and I drive and, and I notice everyone's going off in one way but my directions are saying go to this other way long story short what should have been a, a 90 minute drive was like a four hour drive going through these mountain hills I mean at one point I'm like I'm gonna be the person that, that got Joe Applebomber killed <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be forever the known as the person who got lost and died in the mountains, and you know I'm gonna be responsible. And at one point, a couple hours into this driving up this dirt mountainy road, Joe even says, "Hey, Flock, if you want to just pull over and we can just say, screw this show, and let's just take it easy, and then we'll drive back home tomorrow." Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, no, Joe, we're gonna do it. We're gonna get you there. I'm gonna get you there. I'm gonna. To- and we finally, I mean, finally make my way down. I can't even put into words how 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 horrifying this drive was but just driving them on these mountain roads with that aren't even paved and like the signs are literally hand painted arrows telling me where to go we finally make it to to paved road and you know my car's leaking radiator fluid from all this i'd probably tore a, a hose or something we barely <laughs> barely make it the show's already started we get there and it was like, hey, where have you been? wait I think it was like a uh, uh, bulldog. Bulldog's like, hey, Flaco, you're late. And I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm just you know assuming I, mean? I just go in and put my mask on, get ready, and uh, I forget who I worked that night. But yeah, that was probably the worst road story. Is I almost, I almost uh, got Joe Applebomber killed <laughs> in the middle of the mountains.
0: <laughs> this would be some Donner Pass shit, dude. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, it, it was.
1: It was absolutely that. It was absolutely that. I think we probably drove over the Donner Pass. <laughs> going going on the road's the best. It's the best because it, it's the shows become secondary. It's the trip that becomes. Yeah. You know, it's like, the shows are just the things that happen in between all of the the memories of the road trip.
0: No, we had we had a blast just going over, going and covering all these shows and. You know, RPW, SPW, mm-hmm. PCW yeah. up in Yuba, like,
2: yeah, following
0: yeah. Pro Wrestling Iron up to Ukiah and Angels Camp and all these. Yeah. Um, uh, going down south to uh, <laughs> Millennium Pro Wrestling with the Ballard Brothers and they you know, mm-hmm. it's just great, man. Uh, what has been the, the craziest uh, fan interaction that you've had? Whether it being someone that wants to fight you at the end of a show for real, or I know you're in a mask. So-
1: I think, yeah, I think, um, I had a few people threaten my life at PCW uh when I first started going there and um I and for some reason up, up north, the Yuba one up. The yeah, the Yuba, no up up north in Yuba. Mm-hmm. Um the, the guys from PCW had come to a couple of SVW shows and they they liked what I did and they wanted me to come up there and, you know, ring announce or whatever. Yeah. Uh and they want me to just piss people off, you know, be a heel ring announcer. So I went out there and I'd piss people off and there were a few times, you know, and and back then I really, I would wear my mask. I had this thing where I would wear my mask to the show. You know, I wouldn't walk in without my mask and I wouldn't take my mask off until I left the venue. And when I can no longer see the venue, then I'm taking my mask off. It's just like, to me, I wanted to honor that
0: very traditional. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Um, A lot of the boys didn't like that because they thought I was fading them. Or whatever, I'm like, well, there's a reason why I'm doing it this way. Um, so it was funny because um, it was after a PCW show, and someone came back and said, "Hey, Falco, there's a couple of guys out in the parking lot waiting to kick your ass." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> well, I know what to do. I just took off my mask and walked to my car and walked right past them. I saw these guys, they, and I remember them. They were so pissed off at me throughout the show, and they were waiting for. Flaco to come out, and I just walked right <laughs> past him into my car. There's another show that we did in uh, in Fresno, where um, I went out there and I did my thing, and uh, there were some uh, there were some racist comments coming my way from the fans,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and I saw the guys doing it, so I jaw jacked with them, just whatever. And then they said they're going to come back with their friends and whatnot, and uh, and there was these just big old you know slack-jawed yokels. And uh, so I went back, got out of my gear. (laughs) I had a cowboy hat, put that on, walked out into the crowd, and stood right next to them. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I'm just like, you know, it's like, wow. It never dawned on me. Just take off your mask. They won't know who you are. And. but but like I said, in those early days, I wanted, to, I, I wanted to honor the tradition of Lucha Libre of like, you know, no, I'm gonna keep my mask on. You know, I would hear stories about Mil Mascara showers with his mask on. <laughs> and so I would always make sure before I could see the venue, put my mask on, go into the venue and don't take it off until I don't see But, but like I said, it, it rubbed some of the boys the wrong way because they thought I was being disrespectful to them or that I, well, my, that I was too into my own gimmick and
2: yeah. Whatever.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it's a bit, like you said, it's very traditional. Yeah. Um, any uh, embarrassing moments during a match, or backstage, or at a show? Um,
1: I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of embarrassing moments, but um, I think one of the things one of the things that was not so embarrassing but funny, um, I learned something in my years uh, as as a touring uh, musician of the benefits of gold bond extra medicated powder. <laughs> uh, when when you've been traveling on the road and some it's oftentimes it's in the summer and it gets a little swampy downstairs and you don't necessarily have the luxury of a shower every day, no. that kind of giving yourself a little powder down there it keeps it dry keeps it fresh and crisp and all that and I kind of introduced that to the to the wrestling locker room when I started training it's like hey man you got to try this stuff and I'm like it's it's got to be the extra Medicaid because it gets really you know, it's like a York peppermint patty for your crotch.
0: That's something straight coffee yeah. shit. This is a bar. Yeah. soap.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so the funny thing would be is like we'd put a bunch of that on, and sometimes some wrestlers would put too much of it on. So then they'd go out in the ring, they take a body slam, and then there's this big cloud of white just just flying all over the place. So it looks like someone body slammed the mummy or some some <laughs> shit. Like that. Um. But as far as embarrassing, you know, it just, I, it's hard to think of that because so many times I got to be on wrestling shows with my friends, you know? So it's like, what's, what's the most embarrassing moment you had with your friends? I'm like, God, where do I start? Everything's, everything's a practical joke on each other. It's like, we're all playing practical jokes and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's so, as far as the most embarrassing, I'd just say, you know, gold bond, gold bond body slams. We'll keep it to that. We'll keep it to that.
0: We we had a kid and uh when Jason Styles was training at uh when I was doing a promotion with him at of Hayward, we had yeah. a kid that put too much foot powder on it in his shoes and oh, had pre- had pretty much a similar effect. Anytime yeah, he got yeah, body yeah. slammed, you know, his feet fucking land. What's <laughs> wrong with your feet, dude? Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um so I know you mentioned you're you're, you're semi you're semi retired. Yeah. Right. Um any what have been any regrets that you've had? Maybe missed opportunities or in the business. Like, Did um, you ever get to work Mexico? Did you ever try? No, to I, never got, I
1: never, got to, never, never got to go to Mexico. Never got to go to Mexico. Um, but to me, that Lucha show that's behind you, thats that felt like Mexico to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain wrestlers that I wish I got to work with more. I, like Chicano Flame.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I wish I got to work with him more. I, he and I did get a chance to to be in the ring together uh, for an APW show. And uh, they gave us that opportunity to have that stare down between, and for whoever it meant, if it meant anything to anyone, that Flaco Loco and Chicano Flame are in the same ring and they're facing each other.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Even if it meant something to one person, that would've been cool. It meant a lot to me. So like, I think I wish I got to work more with him. And then not to say that that door's closed. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can try and get in somewhat shape for, you know doing things with him. I think it'd be fun to be a tag team with him.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and, and have some fun with him. Um, I, wish I, I wish that the scene was the way it is now. I wish it was that way when I was wrestling because right now it's like you've got these wrestlers working in all these promotions like every promotion pretty much has the same group. Around you, but it wasn't like that. You remember it's like BTW stayed with me. That's why that's what made people like you really important is you brought people from the outside into BTW. That wasn't happening a whole bunch then. APW stayed with APW. BTW stayed with BTW. SPW stayed with where we were. PCW stayed with where they were. And it was very rare when guys would go to any of the other promotions. Kryptonite was one of the only ones to go to APW to work with them.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, um, the, the guys from PCW, they brought me in. I was the first one to... From SPW to show up in PCW, SPW and RPW had a working relationship. We had a working relationship with NAW and Fresno, but promotions really didn't work together like they do now. Yeah. And so I think that's my biggest regret: is that things the scene isn't wasn't like it is today back then.
2: Yeah, because you know, I
1: think I would have I would have been I would have been wrestling every weekend like a Sir Samurai. I would have been wrestling every you know. You know, but but that just wasn't the case back then.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I I brought this up before another podcast, but promotions like uh, Icebox. You know Icebox, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did uh, Oakland uh, Wrestling Association, I believe. O- 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 Oaktown Wrestling, something like that. Yeah. And he yeah. would bring – he didn't care, dude. Like, at a time when it was very rare to see, dude, he had, like, Shane Cody and Amber versus Jardy France and Dana Lee. Wow. And it was wow. like, shit, some APW, BTW guys, like, mixed in yeah. there.
1: Yeah. And you would think like back then, like, I remember like, why don't we do like a super show? Yeah. Like we'd get like all of these from, but then it would have been like, well, who's going over and you know, egos yeah. would have gotten involved and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's hard to explain to people today that like, yeah, you don't, you didn't work more than one promotion. Yeah. You, you stayed with your promotion and it was very territorial. Now every show poster looks the same. Yeah. You know, every show poster looks the same as the same wrestlers. And then down at the bottom, you see what promotion it is. Yeah. But, you know, back then you knew what an SPW flyer looked like. You knew what an APW flyer. You knew what a BTW flyer looked like. And you knew what a PCW flyer Then They all had their own group of wrestlers.
0: And going back to the Chicano Flame comment, like, I really consider you, Chicano Flame, Super Diablo, one of the first mask guys in that era from, like, the late 90s, 2000s. Yeah. Um... Would you consider yourself a luchador or would you just consider yourself influenced by Lucha Libre, like your wrestling style?
1: I would say I'm influenced by Lucha Libre. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, if I wrestle in Mexico, if I wrestle in Mexico, then I can say I'm a luchador. Um, But I'd say I'm I'm more heavily influenced by Lucha Libre. I sometimes when I say luchador, I I kind of feel sometimes like I'm I'm uh, I'm claiming false valor, you know, it's like because because I respect um, like all of those people on that poster behind you. I have so much respect for what they do. And uh, and like I said, it's it's I got into this because I wanted to connect with my culture. I wanted to connect with with uh, as an Americanized Mexican. Yeah, um, I wanted to connect with my culture. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I, I say influenced more than anything.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I definitely think that you do respect it. um Like you said, you changed your, you had an original mask, and if you would have uh-huh. stayed with the Rayo Jalisco mask the whole time, then I would have, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even yeah, have yeah. you on here. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so what 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 are your pl- plans? Like I know right now with you know COVID, everything's kind of shut down as far as wrestling wise, but. You know, what What are your plans afterwards? Are you uh, going to get back in the ring or are you going to be involved would, in any kind of- uh,
1: I would fight? like to, but I understand that, you know, um the, the time that I'm in that ring, that's taking away valuable time from wrestlers who, who are active in the ring. Um, Big Ugly has uh, his promotion that he had been starting Pro Wrestling Alliance, and he is letting me try my hand at commentating, which I'm enjoying. Um, and, uh, and so I think, you know, trying that, uh, trying my hand, you know, like you were saying, doing my own little, uh, my little uh, uh, video podcast. That's been fun. That's awesome, a, by the way. Yeah, oh, thank you. That's, and, and that's been a fun, creative outlet for me. Yeah. Um, so I think using, using those talents, just trying to figure out ways to still tell stories, to tell still a story, whether I'm in the ring or whether I'm in the, uh, behind a microphone. Um, I'd still love to, I'd, I'd love to have a few more matches. You know, I, of course, I have to be selective. You know, at my age, I can't do this every weekend thing like a lot of the guys do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I you know, everyone says they're retired, but you know, I've been I've been an active retired wrestler longer than I've been an actual active wrestler.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Flaco Loco. This has been great. thank you. Uh, anything you want to say to to uh, to the audience?
1: No, just anything just you wanna uh, add. Uh, just, just thank you. Thank you for um, the experience of that, that poster behind you because I think that, that played a big part of why I became a, uh, uh, a mass wrestler uh, because I did feel in touch with my culture on that day. Yeah. And, um, and for those 10 minutes, I'm never going to forget that. Yeah. I have never. So, so thank you. Thank you for doing that because it's- that's the whole reason why I, I wanted to become a, a mass wrestler, to, to be a luchador was to get in touch with uh, a culture that I felt through society had been pulled away from me. You know, my, my family had become Americanized by the time I was born. Yeah. And I, I just had this desire to get in touch with my culture and yeah. being a mass wrestler and being on a legitimate Lucha Libra show yeah. did that for me. So, so thank you, has yeah. no, I'll I'm never, great. I'll never be able to repay you for that experience. Yeah,
0: no, you dude, you, you, you're awesome, man. I've always enjoyed you. Like I said, you even influenced my brother. Like you didn't even <laughs> know. So yeah, <laughs> that means a keep lot. Doing, that means a lot. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, you. you know, I remember seeing you and remember that website, Viva VivaLaLuchaLibre.net with Robert. Yeah, Robert yeah, Robert.
1: I remember that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So all that stuff was so dope for you know to me. It's like, dude, you know. So I'm glad I got to meet you, man,
2: and work oh. with you.
1: Same here. Same here. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching Indie Handshake, Edición de Lucha Libre. I've been Jesus Cruz with the Flaco Loco. There you go, brother. There you go.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: so, by the way, I uh, interviewed... Sorry, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I just interviewed Michael Modest uh, uh-huh. a week ago. Yeah. Like, physically, I had to go up there because uh, where he lives, like, the Internet is pretty yeah, yeah. non-existent. But uh, he, he asked me, like, where did you come up with that name, Indie Handshake? And I'm like, Donovan Morgan would always give you the dead <laughs> fish. Like, you know, hey, what's with Donovan? Hey, what's with that?
1: Or, or uh, I think the best indie handshake I ever got was from Joe Applebomber. <laughs> he, he had the best one. It was like this giant man, tiny little finger, and just like, oh, just barely touched the tip of your finger. But hey, I mean, even the even the tradition of that is important. you
2: know. Yeah, yeah. So, but good anyway, for you. Thanks,
0: everybody, for watching. Thank you again, Flaco Loco. We'll Thank see you. you next time.